Hey, what are you looking forward to when the current COVID outbreak finally comes to an end? Maybe you're an extrovert and you can't wait until you get in the same room as all the people that you know and love. You're going to be smashing out high fives and giving out hugs. You might not even be an extrovert and yet you still want to pass out high fives and hugs just because we can. Maybe you're looking forward to getting back to eating at your favorite restaurant or going back to work. Maybe you're looking forward to the day that you get to push the kids out of the house and back to school. I'm looking forward to that morning that we get to have church together again. Oh my goodness. I can't wait for that first Sunday when we get to put those flags up out in the Cineplex parking lot and we get to see all of your smiling faces come join us for a worship service in person. I'm really looking forward to those sorts of things. And it's healthy to have things that you're looking forward to. They can keep you positive and hopeful, even in the middle of pretty desperate circumstances. But let's be real. Nobody knows when any of those things are actually going to come to pass. Nobody knows when the world is going to get back to normal. There's a lot of debate. There's a lot of discussion. But there are very few solid answers. Trump seems to think that we'll be back to normal by Easter. Trudeau is telling us that we've got to have martial law until 2021. Everybody knows that one day things will get back to the way they used to be. But nobody's certain when that's actually going to happen. And in the meantime, we're all left locked in our basements wondering what are we supposed to do with ourselves until the world returns to normal. That's why last week we kicked off this new teaching series called What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do. If you caught that first message, you know that I think you should focus on feeding your faith and not your fears. But that begs a really interesting question. What should we be putting our faith in during the middle of this crazy and chaotic season? I think that's a really important question and conversation for us to have. And today what I hope to do is to convince you that you should be putting your faith in a who and not a what or a when. If that sounds a little confusing to you, that's okay. By the time we get finished this morning, I think you'll understand just why this is so important. In order to help you understand what I mean, I want to turn your attention to Psalm chapter number 20. It's a short psalm, but man, there is a lot in here that I think will, will bless you and encourage you and help you to know what to do when you don't know what to do. Psalm chapter number 20, we'll read verses 1 through 9. It says this, In times of trouble, may the Lord answer your cry. May the name of the God of Israel keep you safe from all harm. May he send you help from his sanctuary and strengthen you from his holy city. May he remember all your gifts and look favorably on your burnt offerings. May he grant your heart's desires and make all your plans succeed. May we shout for joy when we hear of your victory and raise a victorious banner in the name of our God. May the Lord answer all of your prayers. Now pay special attention to the next set of verses. David says in verse 6, I know the Lord rescues his anointed king. He will answer him from his holy heaven and rescue him by his great power. Some nations boast of their chariots and horses, but we will boast in the name of the Lord our God. Those other nations will fall down and collapse, but we will rise up and stand firm. Give victory, O Lord. Answer our cry for help. Wow. 
there is a lot of encouragement to be found in those few short verses. But this morning, I actually want to home in specifically on verse number seven, which says, some trust in chariots and horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. That sentence might strike you as a little strange because we don't have a lot of chariots and horses in, in Canada in 2020. And so you might wonder what David means when he says some people trust in those things. But here's the deal. If you can understand the point he's making here, I think it will radically transform the perspective you have on what we're going through right now. So it's important to remember that these verses were written like 2,600 years ago in the ancient Middle East. And in that time and place, chariots pulled by horses, it represented the pinnacle of military power and human accomplishment. This was the greatest technological advancement of their society. It was like the, the iPhone or the Instant Pot of their day. And yes, the Instant Pot really is that incredible. People look to chariots and horses at this time in history to give them their confidence, to give them their stability, to give them their hope and their joy about what was to come. Because if you lived in a country that had a large army with lots of chariots pulled by horses, that was symbolic of all the good things that were happening, all the things that gave you confidence that the next few days, the next few months, the next few years ahead were going to be good years and you didn't have to worry about anything anything at all. So David points out that many people in his world were putting their faith in these symbols of human achievement, of human industry, government resources, military power, whatever it might be. They were putting their confidence in all of these external things. But David said the Israelites had learned long before to instead place their trust in the name of the Lord their God. David is essentially saying that wise people will place their faith and trust in a who and not a what or a when. So let me ask you directly, where is your faith placed this morning? Or if I could word it a little bit differently, what do you believe it will take for you to be confident about the future, to be joyful in your circumstances, to believe that life is good once again? I know a lot of people that are putting their trust and their faith in a what. That is, their trust and their faith is in their job or in the economy. And they're saying things right now like, you know, if I could just get back to work, then I wouldn't have any financial pressure. I would have margin. I could breathe easy and I wouldn't have to stress out anymore. There are people whose wedding ceremonies have been delayed because of the coronavirus outbreak. And I know many of you are at home right now and you're thinking, oh, if we could just have our wedding day, if we could tie the knot and get married, then we could move on with life and then we could be happy. There are some of you that have a very general idea that once the outbreak passes, then you can relax, then you can trust that everything is going to be okay. Can I suggest to you that if those sorts of thoughts are running through your mind right now, then you are setting yourself up for disappointment. It's not because any of those things are bad. They're not bad at all. The problem is those things are what's and wins, and you can't always count on what's and wins. You know, people are going to let you down. Even the ones that you think will make you the happiest in life, eventually they're going to let you down. Just ask anybody who's married, they'll tell you what's up. And circumstances can change rapidly. We've seen that over the last few weeks. So if your faith this morning is in a friendship or a wedding day 
or a vaccine or a stimulus package? Can I tell you if those are the things that you're looking to, to give you purpose and meaning and confidence and optimism about the future, then you are forever going to be chasing some what or some when in order to make yourself happy. But when we put our faith in God, it's different because we were not meant to put our faith in what's and wins. We were always meant to put our faith in a who. That's what David tells us in Psalm chapter number 20. And that's because the object of your faith has to be bigger than your circumstances. And come on, somebody, God is bigger than all of our circumstances. When our world is uncertain, our God is unchanging. When our world is confused, our God gives us clarity. When society is panicking, God gives us peace. When people are hoarding all of their resources, God is saying, no, give generously to anybody who has need. When our circumstances don't seem to make any sense at all, God offers us purpose and meaning. I think David is telling us here in Psalm 20, and man, I hope you'll take this to heart, that we should put our faith in the Father and not in the future. And you know, when you put your faith in the Father and not in the future, you will be able to withstand any storm that might come your way. You'll find yourself saying things like, you know what? They may lock me down for three months, but I'm going to be okay because my faith is in the Father and not in my freedom. You might say, whew, being locked in the house with my family is going to be tough. In fact, you might feel like your family is straining under the stress of what we're going through, but you will have confidence, unshakable, that God is the glue that will hold your family together when every other bond seems to be tearing. If you get the phone call that says, hey, unfortunately, Unfortunately, we have to lay you off right now. You don't have to like that, but you don't have to freak out over it either. You will have confidence that you have a father in heaven who knows every one of your needs and he will meet them according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Put your faith in the father and not in the future. So let me ask you once again this morning, where are you placing your faith during this crazy season? Are you placing your faith in the Father or in some hope for the future? Are you placing your faith in a who or a what or a when? Do you trust the name of the Lord our God or do you trust in chariots and horses? Are you putting your hope in something bigger than the circumstances you find yourself in? Now, before I sign off this morning, I want to point out one final thing from Psalm 20, verse number seven. David says something really interesting here. If you noticed, he said, we boast in the name of the Lord our God. You know, that struck me as a bit strange when I first read it. Why would David say that we boast in the name of the Lord our God, and rather than just saying we boast in the Lord our God? Well, I think it's important to remember what the name of the Lord our God is. The name of our God is Jesus Christ. The name Jesus is a Greek name, and it literally means God saves. That's the promise that you and I need to hold to right now, that no matter our circumstances and situations, we have a loving Father in heaven who will save us. That is something that we can place our faith and our trust in. I have full confidence that God is going to deliver us from the coronavirus outbreak because God has already delivered us from the greatest problem we ever faced, and that is our sin. You know, the overarching story that's told here throughout the pages of the Bible is this, 
that God created humanity to live in perfect harmony with one another and with Him. He created a world in which we were supposed to love one another, care for one another, provide for one another, enjoy one another, and of course, have a deep and abiding relationship with Him as well. But from the very beginning, humanity kind of screwed it up. We decided that we were going to choose for ourselves what was best. We were going to turn our back on God and walk away from a relationship with Him. We were going to take advantage of one another. And despite the fact that we're capable of doing good things, more often than not, it seems like we choose the wrong things, the evil things to do. The Bible calls this sin. And the problem with sin is not that it's breaking some list of arbitrary rules. The problem with sin is that it's breaking all of our relationships. It breaks our relationships with one another, and it breaks our relationship with God. Now, you might expect God to be up in heaven looking down on us and kind of seeing the mess that we've created of the world and for him to be very angry. You might expect him to fold his arms and to say, you guys have made a mess out of things down there. And if you ever want to have any kind of relationship with me, you need to say you're sorry and then you need to undo all the wrong that you've did. The ball is in your court and you guys need to make it right. You might have expected God to wait for us to make the first move. But the good news of the scripture is that God did not wait for us to make the first move. He made the first move himself in the person of Jesus. God entered our world through Jesus and he showed us who he is and he revealed to us how he always intended for us to live. The Bible tells us that Jesus lived an absolutely perfect life. There was no sin in him whatsoever. He was the absolute picture of what we were supposed to be if we had followed God all along. Now you might have thought that we would welcome God into our world and we would worship him for who he is and what he was doing, but we didn't. Instead, the scripture tells us that we actually took Jesus and we nailed him to a cross. Why did we do that? Well, maybe the sin and the evil in our heart is so deep that we didn't have any other, uh, any other way to act. Maybe it was because we saw in Jesus who we were supposed to be and it revealed to us just how short we had fallen of God's perfect standard. And so we tried to get rid of him. Regardless, we put Christ to death on the cross. And again, you might expect God to be up in heaven looking down with his arms folded saying, how dare you treat my son that way? You might have expected him to execute judgment. You might have execute, you know, expected him to just go crazy on the entire world, but he doesn't. Rather, the scripture says that Jesus rises from the dead victorious over death and victorious over our sin. Because of God's great love for us through Christ, we have been totally and completely forgiven of all the wrong that we've done to one another and all the wrong that we have done to God. This is the gift of God's mercy and grace for each and every one of us. This is the good news we celebrate today. And this is where we place our faith and our trust and our hope. I'm telling you, you can have confidence that God will rescue you from whatever circumstances you go through here on earth because God has already rescued you from the deepest problem you had and that is your separation from him because of your sin. Now you say, Dan, I've never heard this before, but whatever it means, I want in. I want a relationship with God through Jesus. All you have to do is pray and ask him to be the Lord of your life. If you do that simple thing, 
You will begin a relationship with God. He will mend the tear in your relationship. And you will be given a new way of thinking, a new way of living, a new way of operating in the world through God's Holy Spirit. So if you say, that's me, Dan, I'm ready to take that step of faith. I need a relationship with God through Jesus. Then I'm going to invite you to bow your head and just repeat this prayer after me. You might say, dear Jesus, I need forgiveness and a fresh start. And I'm asking you to give me both today. Thank you for loving me, for dying for me, and for giving me new life. You know, if you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, it is the best decision that you will ever make. Whether you chose to place your faith and trust in Jesus today, or if that's a decision you've already made in the past, can I encourage you this morning, don't be overwhelmed by your circumstances. Don't put your faith in a what or a when. You can be happy. You can be confident. You can find purpose and meaning here and now in the middle of quarantine if you place your faith in the Father and not in the future.